0: Hello everybody. Welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat podcast brought to you by the folks at legends.com. And I'm Evan Lazar joined as always by Alex Barth and Alex and I are going to break down the Patriots victory over the New York Jets. And in an odd way, Alex, this one, even though they beat the doors off of the Jets and last week they lost to the Miami Dolphins at home, I almost come away from this game with more concerns, especially about the Patriots offense than I did in week one, because in week one we saw flashes of Mac Jones's ability to throw the football down the field. We just spoke with Patriots offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels and McDaniels was pretty candid. I would say about Mac's performance and lack of shot plays down the field. He wore some of the responsibility said everybody needs to get better, myself included. But he said we're not holding Mac Jones back. We're trusting him fully to make the right reads and the right throws down the field. We're not specifically calling plays just to throw the ball short. And more or less, McDaniels pointed to a few specific examples, even one of them I'm going to pull up here in a second, of Mac not hitting the downfield throws that the scheme presented to him enough against the Jets.
1: Yeah, you know it's 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 a little bit of both. It's tough because you you want to say, all right, well, you know, McDaniel's isn't calling the right plays, or you want to say, oh, you know, Matt can't find the deep ball. Right. It's 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 a little bit of both. The good news is, both issues are easily fixable. Sure, or should be easily fixable. So the biggest issues that have plagued this team, whether it be situational offense, right, two of seven on the red zone, two of seven in the red zone through two games. Three of twelve on third down against the Jets. I mean, those are numbers they're going to want to get up. Um, you can fix. I, I think it's not a lack of talent that's causing them to have those issues. It's self-inflicted. It's penalties. It's questionable play calling. It's some of those missed opportunities by Max. So it's all fixable. But you got to fix it.
0: Right, and this is the d- discussion we had in the preview show last week. We went about twenty minutes on thinking and dunking and trying to move the ball with long drives versus getting those explosive plays and how important it really is to be able to get one or two explosive plays per drive. And McDaniels was asked about that specifically as well. And he gave an answer that I thought was again, very candid where he said, yeah, we got to be able to test the defense vertically. We want to be able to test the defense in the passing game in every way, vertically, horizontally, whatever the case may be, whatever is presented to us. But those chunk plays right now, the Patriots offense are struggling to get those. And they manufactured one on the double pass to a degree, although it felt like there was a bigger play on the on the field that Mac left out there on the touchdown to Nelson Aguilar over the top on the double pass. But more or less what we're seeing with the Patriots offense is what we talked about last week, and that is they are trying to go on these methodical string first downs together, 10-plus play drives that end in the end zone. And what's happening is what you just mentioned. It's the landmines, right? It's the right. turnovers. It's the sacks on third down. It's a drop pass here, a penalty there, a miss block here, right? Those types of sequences that are happening over and over again. And when you have to go 10, 11, 12 plays to be able to get the ball in the end zone, and you're not getting one or two big plays per drive, and you have to string consistently together execute play after play after play to get your offense in the end zone. It's more difficult to end up with seven points at the end of any single drive, and that and that is, I think, the issue that they're running into. And I want to get into before I pull up the play that I, the play of the day. Can I make, want to get into the schematic things there too, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah, can I just make
1: one overarching point here because I do hate that we're coming out negative after a win. I do you like do. Make everything inside me. I, I, don't people think I yeah. work at 98 five. This is what I want to do. No, this <laughs> kills me. They won the game. It's not right. easy to win games in the NFL, but what I compare this to, I'm going to pull up Evan, if you don't mind a quick college football analogy. Okay. Oklahoma came into the season number two or three in the country. And they barely beat Tulane. Who's there. They should be better than right. Right. Then they came out in week two and won 76 to nothing. But they beat Western Carolina, who's an FCS team. So, you know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you don't look at that 76-0 win and say, okay, everything's fixed based on what happened against Tulane. You just look at it as, okay, we blew the doors off Western Carolina. Yeah, no crap. Of course we did. Right. The Jets are an FCS team, okay? The Jets are not, you know, a Power 5 bowl contender. The Jets are monument. I spent most of the show last week dumping all over the Jets' lack of talent And frankly, I was underwhelmed. They didn't even reach my basement level expectations. So, you know, where I'm, this isn't us being negative. I like, they won the game. That's good. I'm not going to pun, I'm not somebody who's going to come out and punish them for their opponent and say, oh, well, they beat the Jets. What does it matter? What we're doing is just in a, you know, looking at the Patriots in a bubble, regardless of the opponent, some of the decisions they made, regardless of the opponent, some of the actions they took, regardless of the opponent. And comp- putting those in the context, almost more so of week one than week two and looking at them that way. Cause again, I don't want it to be like we're being negative, even though the Patriots won, they won wins are good. That's the ultimate goal. It's a positive, but the, the you know, the jets might as well be like East Western, you know, state tech reserve or whatever, like this isn't a real team.
0: Right. So we talked about this a little bit on the post game show with Zanis. and. I think what we run into with Patriots teams is over the last 21 years, we have seen a Super Bowl team nine times. We've seen them win it six and make it nine times. We know in New England what a championship team looks like, right? And I think in a lot of ways, we compare the Patriots every single season to the Patriots. We're not comparing the Patriots to the Jets. We're saying, is this team – as good as the 2018 team is this team as good as the 2016 team is this team as good as the 2014 team and so on and so forth and because of that we can take away a 25 to 6 win that 31 other fan bases sit there and say great win we beat a divisional opponent on the road by three touchdowns awesome right we can take that and say yeah it's a win but These are hints, these are inklings of things that are really going to plague this team when we get into December and January and they start playing meaningful games against good football teams. And that's the blessing of the curse and and the curse of their success, right? Is that it's great that they've had all this success. It's been awesome as a fan to watch it. But at the same time, we know what good football looks like and we know what championship football looks like. And the Patriots offense specifically isn't there yet. Now it's week two. It's a 17-game season. They have a long way to go until they have to be able to put together their best product. But right now, it's not there yet. And the last thing I want to mention, just big picture-wise, then I want to pull up the play because it speaks to it. The issue that I'm seeing with the Patriots offense right now was similar to what we saw to degree last year as well, is teams are playing with an extra defender in the box, right? They're going single high. Miami did it, yep. and the Jets did it. They're going single high. And the Jets actually in the red zone had too high on that James the back-to-back James White carries that he went into the tu- for the touchdown after the double pass. The Jets for some reason called a too high structure both times and the Patriots ran the ball right down their throats and into the end zone. So, that extra defender, that eighth guy, especially when you have a quarterback that's not mobile, He becomes a free defender in the box. It's impossible for the offense to block all eight guys. You're going to be seven on eight, and then you're relying on, A, the the mic point to be pointed in the right direction and to be able to get that unblocked defender the furthest away from the ball. And then B you're relying on James White and Damian Harris and JJ Taylor, whoever's back there to make that last guy miss, right? Make a move and make the unblocked guy miss. Now what can the Patriots do to combat that is make teams pay for playing single high in the passing game. And they did that to a degree, with a Jacoby Myers fade ball, right? Max sees it at single high. He sees the safeties on the far hash. He checks out of the pa- The run play, gets into the pass play, throws the fade to Myers for a dime. Those are the types of plays that the Patriots need to continue to string together. Hunter Henry up the seam, wide open off of play action because the safety is helping over on the other side. They get the linebacker to bite and Hunter Henry gets behind him for 32 yards. Those are the types of plays that the Patriots need to consistently see Again, single high, put those on tape and continuously put those on tape to get those extra guys out of the box. Otherwise, this running game is also not going to be as effective. And that's the reason why Damien Harris in this game averaged 3.9 yards per rush was because they're playing eight guys in the box the entire game. It's pretty difficult to make things happen as a running back, even a guy as good as Damian Harris, when they're loading the box like that. We are back in better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online your online sports book experts. I want to pull up this play here and this is exactly what we're talking about when it comes to single high stuff, you know, and, and making the defense pay. And then, and then some of the Mac concerns that I have. So the Patriots are running here and, and Josh McDaniels actually just talked about this play in his uh, press conference, right? He talked about this double post concept and and how yeah. they had this play drawn up and it was perfect for the coverage that they were playing. So, The jets, they look, it looks like too high right now, but this is going to become single high. So this safety back here is going to become the post safety. And what the Patriots are going to do is they're going to run double post or dino is what a lot of teams call it. And they're going to have the post route here and then they're going to have a post route inside there. Right. And that's how the Patriots are going to stress this. Why don't you actually draw it? I'm just curious. Because I'm I'm sharing the screen, but I'm sharing just this window. So I can't share the rest of the screen. Uh, And and the yeah, I got to fix that. Uh. Anyways, this deep safety right here. Okay. Is in conflict. He can't help on the post and help on the inside post. He can only help on one post, right? He can't help the two. So what Matt Jones is going to do is his read is just where does that deep safety go? Does he jump the inside post or does he jump the outside post? And I am just going to throw uh, the ball, you know, in the one-on-one, to the one-on-one, away from that deep safety. So as we roll the play, the Patriots get exactly what they want. The Jets – no surprise to me they take away the inside post because that's the easier throw but as we roll the play they get this uh middle linebacker the hook defender remember we talked about this alex they get this right here this matchup and this safety here he's gonna jump nelson aguilar's route and that's gonna leave kendrick Bourne behind the defense here comes the safety he's jumping it they got two guys on this over route here's kendrick Bourne at the top of the screen this is open Right, this is should be a touchdown. This is NFL open. We're not even talking about a throw that's sixty yards. Right, this is a forty yard throw. This should be a touchdown.
1: For and the this Patriots. is a play. I, just, I can jump in real quick. Just as no, go ahead. Play, This was a play they ran. I don't know if it was this exact play, but this idea where you know you you pinch the single high safety and you force him to pick one guy, and that with two guys kind of down the field, and then you throw to the other. This was this is textbook Alabama right here. This is yeah. this is yeah. how this. this concept not this exact play this concept is how Devonta Smith won a Heisman
0: yeah Devonta Smith Jalen Waddell Dino they actually ran it a ton with Tua as well and what they would do with Tua is they would fake it to one side with a little quick screen or something like that to try to draw that safety even more and then they would throw it over the top and they would work the Dino backside so they did this a ton at Alabama 100% big big Bama play yeah big Bama Bama play and as we roll it This safety, you can see, he's he's on top of this route from Nelson Aguilar. They're bracketing this route here. And Kendrick Bourne is wide open. All Mac Jones has to do is put this ball deep into the end zone on the goal line and lead Kendrick Bourne into the end zone. That's all he's got to do. But when the ball comes out, it just doesn't have any mustard on it, and it's behind Kendrick Bourne, and it's nearly intercepted. I want to show it from the end zone angle, too, because you get a better look of the ball itself. So as we roll it from the end zone angle, you're going to see the read. You're going to see the safety come down. Max sees it, and he lets it go. And this ball is just wobbly. It's behind the receiver. It's nearly intercepted by two different guys, and it just doesn't give Kendrick Bourne a great chance to make the play. So when I see that play, the concerning part about it to me and I posted a film review just now of all the all 22 and everything and all, all the Mac uh, plays that he could have had that play in particular concerns me the most because that worries me that he cannot rip that throw in there. Right. Because right. the misreads, there was a play on the the intentional grounding, for example, where Hunter Henry, it's a coverage bust, right? They try to banjo it. They don't get the stack covered properly. Two guys cover Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry's all alone. They're going to look at that on the Polaroids on the sidelines. And the next time we see that again, Mac Jones is going to hit that for a touchdown. I guarantee it, right? The problem isn't, I am 100% confident, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that Mac Jones is going to see the field better than he did against the Jets. I am not 100% confident that Mac Jones is going to make that throw. And I think that's a really big problem for the Patriots offense moving forward here. Now, I also would say that, It would be nice if that deep post was somebody other than Kendrick Bourne who is not known to be a vertical route runner. So maybe if they can get somebody in there that's a little bit more explosive and faster on the outside, that window becomes bigger. But that's NFL open, right? That's an NFL open throw, and you got to give your receiver a chance to make a contested grab, and he didn't. And that's the concerning part of it is when he tries to uncork those drive throws down the field, it just doesn't have a ton of mustard on it. And we saw it on the play all right, last week, when J- Jason McCourty broke up the cross, or did Jacoby Myers on the zero blitz, when the ball just hung up in the air a little bit too long? That's what we consistently see from Mac, and, and you worry about that, for sure.
1: Yeah, no, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about with the growing pains, right? And, and you even talk about, yeah, he's going to see the field better. That's what comes along with it. You mentioned his lack of ability to make that throw, you know, maybe this year. That's a little bit of a of a concern, but I think and, – and we talked about this at the – who was, was it? Mike Lombardi had the report that the first thing the Patriots needed to do after drafting Mac Jones was get him a GPS to the weight room, right? He's going to build up that arm strength. They're going to kind of refine his throwing motion. He'll be able to get another 5, 10 yards on that throw once he gets like a full off season right in the program and all of that. So we've seen that happen with guys. We've seen that arm strength take a jump yeah. from year one to year two. And I think Mac Jones can do that. Uh, I don't, you know, I, he he kind of fits that mold. So, you know, maybe this, I'm I'm actually not super worried about him making that throw. I think that that was a bad throw in a bubble. I wouldn't put that in, you know, a, a, I don't think that that's necessarily been a repeated issue. I think missing the reads and reading wrong has been more of an issue than the throws. But I'm not worried about his arm strength. I'm not. I've never been worried about his arm strength. I know people have talked about that. Is he Patrick Mahomes? You know, is he Jamarcus Russell in terms of just a pure arm strength? Remember, he could throw the ball goal line to goal line from his knees. No, he's never going to have that kind of arm. It's it's more than good enough. His arm's more than good enough. I think it's just kind of figuring out what he's looking at, which, again, this is just comes. With, right. This is what comes with a rookie quarterback. He's got to kind of learn what he's looking at. And we're two games in, and he there's still a lot he has to see. But, you know, he's a really smart kid. We know how fa- how fast he can learn. As he sees it, he's gonna put it all in there and start making these adjustments. And you'll see, you know, let's see that same play in week 10, 11, or 12. Because I think maybe he reads it a little differently, gets that ball out a little quicker and and completes that pass. So he's still growing. That's just, you know, that's where we're at. And this is an example of the growing pains.
0: Yeah. And, and I think one other element of it is not necessarily just arm strength, but timing, right? So timing is really important when it comes to the deep ball as well. So maybe. In week 10, like you said, Alex, that ball comes out a little bit faster, right? And instead right. of Kendrick Board having to wait on it, that ball is on him as he comes out of his break. At Alabama, that ball would have been on him, right? That That's right. exactly what we just talked about in terms of that being an Alabama type play. And I also think it's really ironic, Alex, that the chat is killing us for being harsh on Mac Jones, when we also get killed for being a Mac Jones show. So this is called objectivity, it's right? It's good. He didn't, if, if, he I, didn't I, play I, well on Sunday against the Jets, and we're being objective about it and telling you exactly what he missed, right? And why he did not play well in particular. Okay. Anyway. I,
1: I, no, I think if they can't figure out which side they're on, they're good. And if any of them followed me on Twitter, they'd know how I truly really feel about Mac Jones. But whatever. Yeah.
0: Hey, Pats fans, when I say the name Willie McGinnis, what word comes to mind? Defense? Champion? What about legend? Well, add to that list entrepreneur because number 55 is one of several athletes who are investors and owners in the athletic apparel brand, Legends. That's right, Willie, along with guys like Steve Nash, Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, former Celtic Marcus Morris Sr., and even entertainment icon, Quavo, are just a few of the names building legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market. Visit legends.com today to shop the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts, shorts, tees, hoodies and more and save 20% when you use our code pats20. That's legends.com and promo code pats20 offer ends October 10th. Right. So, oh yeah, uh, both of us have been uh, pro mac from the from the jump. So no,
1: hang on. Hang on. Oh, do
0: not go back to last college I've been pro mac
1: since October 2020. Okay. I and, came and, to you. And I also he beat the Ole reason... Ole Miss and said this is the guy and you didn't want to use a third round pick <laughs> on him. So let's relax there.
0: The reason why I was worried about Mac Jones and the pros was that deep post right there that I just showed you. And he'll
1: figure it out. And he'll figure it out.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, anyways, uh, the other element of this offense that I wanted to talk about was the pass protection and the offensive line breakdowns. I didn't pull up a play specifically for this, but there was one play in particular that I I do want to talk about. I guess I can pull it up quickly, Alex, while you give your take on this. The problem that I see with this offensive line right now is not necessarily the one-on-one blocks, right? When teams just rush four at them and they play it straight up and they're not doing anything disguising it or scheming it up, they're pretty good, right, at blocking these guys straight up. When they blitz and when they stunt, the Patriots offensive line has had a lot of trouble being able to communicate and just kind of block those things up with good chemistry. And my guess is, is that just, is it a product of not having a whole lot of padded reps together yet, right? You got right tackle is in flux. Yes, Duran has been here for a couple of weeks. Left guard, Michael on when you new player over there, right? So you have new side on the new guy on the left side. New guy on the right side, week two, nowhere near as many padded practices and things like that as we have in the past. So I, I think this is definitely a chemistry issue and a communication issue, and not necessarily a they don't have the players to get it done issue.
1: Yeah, I I do wonder about what's going on at right tackle. I do think some of it is they're all you know they're they're new playing together. But I mean Isaiah Wynn getting beat to the outside that shouldn't have anything. If that has to do with Michael and Wendy, that's a problem, right? that first play where he gets beat all the way around the edge guards, not involved in that play. So I am worried. like Isaiah, Wynn, I'm a little worried about because he just, we've seen him play better. We've seen him be better. And he hasn't been at that level we're accustomed to, maybe it's a slow start. Maybe it is on when, but it's worth watching. And then they got to figure it out. at right tackle. I know, you know, Justin Heron's played one good half. You see her Durant's played one good half through four halves of football, but they're, they're missing Trent Brown or, you know, I think at a certain point, especially if Wynn can't figure it out at a certain point, you, you have to consider putting Ted Karras in and kicking on when it's a right tackle. And, you know, last year, right. When they had all of those injuries on the offensive line, they juggled everything. Remember they're moving Joe Tooney to center. They're moving on when everywhere. And the, the whole concept was, all right, you get your five. You just want your five best linemen on the field. You figure out the way to do that. And you do that. Like Tooney hadn't even played center, I think since high school. And I actually, I didn't think it was the worst strategy. But they really went out of their way to do that. Again, like with Tooney playing center, they went out of their way. Now, it seems relatively easy to get their five best linemen on the field, and they're almost going out of their way to do the opposite, to not do that. And if you look at it objectively, what I wonder, right, so, okay, they should be doing this. History tells us they should do this. Why aren't they doing it? When I try to answer that question, what I look at is we know from the past Bill Belichick Views September almost as an extended preseason, and I would think even more so now, right, that that would be true with the one less preseason game. So I wonder if they know that's the best offensive line, but they've only had Yasir Durant here for what two, three weeks, right? Right. Justin Heron's still a second-year player. I wonder if they they just want to see those guys in game action, and this is the only way they can do it, and. They know they can beat the Jets, right? They knew they were going to beat the Jets. So let's get Durant out there. Let's get Heron out there. We'll see what they look like. And if they really need to down the road against New Orleans, against Tampa, maybe not till October, then they then they if if Trent Brown's still not back or if Isaiah Wynn's still struggling, then they plug Tooney in and move on Wenu out. So, you know, again, I think it's time to put Karras in, but on the other hand, I can see why they wouldn't yet. But I just hope that, you know, we're not still, we shouldn't still be having this conversation come week six or seven. Either there should be an established right tackle or Ted Karras should be in playing guard. One of those two. They can't keep rotating these guys who can't play for four five, six weeks,
0: especially not against New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Cause those two defensive lines and those two fronts, especially with the way that they blitz it and spin it, those guys are going to eat Mac Jones alive in the pocket if they don't block it up well in the next two weeks. So. To me, I I, I agree with you. I think what they're looking for is that continuity, right? Because Anwenu played most of his rookie season at right tackle, and he hasn't played a ton of in-game reps at left guard. Which is probably
1: where he stays long-term, where they want him to stay long-term. Right, for the next
0: five to ten years. And Isaiah Wynn hasn't played a ton of reps with Mike Anwenu next to him. He's played his entire career. With Joe Tooney next to him, who might just be the best pass blocking guard in the entire NFL, right? So I don't, I, I don't think that Win should be given a pass for his performance just by saying that, oh, Joe Tooney's not here anymore. And he's got to learn next to Anwenu and this, that and the other thing. But at the same time, you, as we know, is a run blocker first, right? This is right. a road grading 340 pound guard. He is a run blocker. So not having Tooney there for win has to be a pretty big difference in pass pro, especially. And the other thing I would just mention is you want to keep on Wenu there at left guard, because that's his long-term answer. I think if Trent Brown was going to be out for the year, right? If Trent Brown blew out his knee and was going to be out for the year, you would see the Patriots shuffle it up, right? On, a, on right. Wenu to tackle, Harrison at guard but because they're expecting Brown to come back in the next week or two they don't want to completely dismantle the whole thing just to get by for a game or two especially one of those games being against the New York Jets right they can beat the Jets with Durant and Justin Haran playing left uh, right tackle can they beat the Saints and the Bucks with those two playing right tackle that gets a whole lot more dicey And, and, and I want to show this play just do it really quickly And this plays this
1: real quick. So
0: this is a the third down play to where he throws to James White in the flat, and it goes for negative yardage. And I want to. I don't want to just discuss the max stuff necessarily as much but I want to talk about the blitz here and, and this is exactly what we are seeing over and over again from both the Jets and the Dolphins that's giving the Patriots absolute fits on the offensive line so what the Jets are going to do is they are going to run a blitz and a stunt so they're going to blitz the guy from the second level of the defense and he's going to wrap around the penetration on the line of scrimmage on the stunt scheme so it's these delayed stunts or these second level blitzing stunts that are really causing the Patriots to have a whole lot of problems because they're just not recognizing it fast enough that that's what's happening. So let's roll the play a little bit faster here. And you're going to see 57 here on the line of scrimmage, I believe. And uh this this uh D tackle here. You know, Those real, guys,
1: my real quick note on 57. Yes. CJ Mosley Yes. Looked really good. And, yes, I, you player. know, he's not supposed to be a free agent for a couple of years, but you know, w- when we talk about like, Oh, players who kill the Patriots, Bill likes to sign them. Yeah. Textbook. If he ever somehow becomes available text, it, he's going to be in new England. If he becomes available in the next two or three years.
0: Yeah. A good player. So, they're going to slant rush inside and they're going to cause this line to block them down on the slant rush. And then the linebacker is just going to loop around and get the pressure up front. So as we roll the play, you're going to see those, see those interior penetrators here and here, right? These two guys, they're slant rushing. They're going to push the line that way. And then this looper from the second level, he's going to come around here and that's going to be the free runner to the quarterback. So keep the play rolling. You see that and then you see the space, right? Because what's happening is the right guard, Jack Mason, he's being told to block the guys on the line of scrimmage, right? Cause there's just a disguised look. Right. It's a delayed blitz. They're not thinking about this rap player here at the second level. Here comes the linebacker blitzing. He wraps around the penetration and there's the free run at Mac Jones and Mac just has to get rid of the football. I, I cut out the all 22, uh, the bird's eye view of this Hunter Henry right here is wide open for a touchdown on this corner route. If Mac, has just an extra second in the pocket to hold on it and make this throw. They've run a spot concept. They're on Kendrick Bourne here. He holds the deep third player down, and Hunter Henry is all alone. All Mac's got to do is float it up to the back pylon, and it's a touchdown. But because of this scheme, again, that's this is the biggest problem right now that this Patriots offensive line is having, is blocking this particular blitz, is getting that second-level guy free, and having him wrap around, they're just not seeing that fast enough. So to me, that's... Can can you pull that up real quick again? Just go
1: to the beginning of the play. It's just something minor. You can probably explain this better than me um, if you go all the way back to the beginning. I I think it's it's Heron at right tackle at this point, right?
0: I I believe so. I believe so.
1: Is it just me, or is his stance very focused to the inside?
0: You know what? I didn't didn't look at that, but... and it does look a little bit like he's heavy on that outside inside foot, but not not like overly heavy. No, um, I, I think what he's doing is he's loading up on that post foot, that inside foot to kick out right and be able to get off the line of scrimmage. So what the the problem really here, I, I would think in terms of the communication, what should happen is Shaq Mason should come off Mosley right? that That's the, that's what should happen is that this rapper is going to come around and Shaq Mason here, he should be recognized that, or they should call it out. And he should come off Mosley and let David Andrews take Mosley. And he should be picking up the, the rapper and picking up the second level blitzer, but they're just not seeing it. And right now with the way that Mac Jones is, you know, having some issues, keeping his eyes down the field in this particular game, Last week against Miami, I think Max sees this and I think he stands in there and takes the hit and makes the throw to Hunter Henry. But for some reason in this game, he bailed out of this early, right? And and he just said, Oh, here comes the blitzer. And I get it. Look, we're sitting here. I'm sitting here on my chair at my desk. It's extremely easy for me to sit here and say, Hey, just take a 250, 240 pound linebacker to the chin and make this throw, right? I mean, it's really easy for us to sit here and say that, but this is what the type of plays that NFL teams, NFL quarterbacks make, right? These are the types yeah. of throws that they stand in that pocket and they take that hit and they loft it up to Hunter Henry and they get the touchdown. Instead, Mac gets rid of it, bails, and throws the ball short, uh, just minus one yards on third and eight or third and nine or something like that. So that's the biggest problem I see for the offensive line right now is pressured Schemed pressures, right? It's not the one-on-one stuff. It's the scheme stuff. And I think that is really fixable. I think that speaks to chemistry and continuity more than it speaks to we just don't have the ability to block it up.
1: You want a little uh, very minor Patriots breaking news here?
0: Sure.
1: Uh, If anybody's going to the game on Sunday, they're honoring Julian Edelman at halftime.
0: Oh, there we go. That's kind of cool. Not doing
1: it against the Bucs, doing it against the Saints, so.
0: Very cool. So Julian yep. Edelman honored at halftime. The Patriots could use the Julian Edelman right yep. now in this offense. Really quickly before you flip over to the defensive side of the football, yep. we talked a ton about the running backs after last game, obviously, with all the fumbles. A bounce-back game of sorts, I would say, for Damian Harris. James White was nails per usual. But just what was your thought on that Damian Harris 26-yard run? Because that was pretty incredible. Oh, that was classic
1: classic Damian Harris, like yeah. that's the guy out of Alabama where, and again, I, you know, if you want to debate sure for the Patriots have taken somebody else with that pick Dawson Knox, like fine the, per the player, they got incredible value for him. He should not have gone that yeah. far. My favorite thing about Damian Harris since Alabama, he runs angry. He runs mean. He does not like, he's not, nothing about his game is passive. Okay. If you tackle and I know you think tackles are a BS stat, Tackles against Damian Harris are not a BS stat. If you tackle Damian Harris, you freaking earned it because that dude does not like to be brought to the ground, and you saw it on that run. Uh, I I think he's going to have more runs like that as his career goes on. You know, he's not, you know, built like a Derrick Henry. Obviously, Derrick Henry's huge, so people maybe underestimate the power elements of his game a little bit, but he's a freaking bulldog, man. He's awesome. I I can't wait to see more runs like that. That was great.
0: Yeah, and he is somebody, too, that – his vision between the tackles is really superb and there are a couple of different runs it's not just his vision. It's the way he sets the table for himself where he hides behind his blockers or peeks inside, knowing that he's going to cut it out to- towards the backside. Right. And he just sets the entire blocking scheme up and plays the leverage so well and then is able to make smooth cuts and, and get in and out of it and things like that. He's really got a, a knack for the vision in the field just kind of the rhythm of running between the tackles, which I think is great. And I I talked about the two-high, one-high thing earlier on in the show. I think that's really important as well. They're going to have to figure that out because teams are just going to continue to put that extra guy in the box, and it's going to be much harder to block it up. So whether it's play-action shots down the field, getting Nelson Aguilar deep, getting those tight ends up the seams against one-high, whatever their answer is to that, they absolutely have to make teams pay for playing with just one deep safety. And I do think that they have the the talent and the players to do it right. Nelson Aguilar can yep. get deep. The tight ends can get up the seams. We saw that with Hunter Henry on the 32 yarder. So I do think they have that ability. Let's move over to the defense side of the ball to a degree it's kind of hard to evaluate this performance for the Patriots secondary because Zach Wilson was just awful. I was going to say, can
1: we just pick on Zach Wilson instead of talking about
0: the defense? He was just – and so the first three interceptions, the second one went through Corey Davis's hands. I saw our guy Tim Jenkins put that on the receiver, called it a drop. I think quarterbacks would probably say that that was a drop, right? You don't, by any
1: chance, have the all twenty-two of the fourth one, do you? Because I would love to break that down.
0: I, I, I did just watch it actually before we started pl- uh, doing this. I, d- I didn't cut it, but yet, but it was a coverage rotation. So they. I think he thought it was single high and it ended up being too deep. And then by the time he recognized that it was too deep, the ball, he was already well, in the process of throwing and he just threw it right to Devin McCord. I mean, so it was bad, but I'm just saying what they did. That was the one interception that they did actually spin the dial on him on the back end. So that's one of the worst interceptions I personally think I've ever
1: seen. Yeah. Because here's, here's how I saw it. And correct me if I'm wrong. You went back and watched it with the all 22, but here's what I saw. They motioned that running back across, right? And it looks, pretty clear that the play is supposed to be, they're just going to, you know, hit that running back in the flat off the motion, try to get him going in, you know, at speed against the linebacker and cut the corner. And whoever that back was, he motions out. They snapped the ball. Matt Judon reads it. He's right there. Like he's right there. He's standing with the back. And this is where, if you want to, you know, take any of the blame off Zach Wilson's plate, that back has to do something, turn it cut up in a wheel cut over the middle of the field on a slant, like don't just stand next to Matt Judon exchange insurance information. Right. But he, so he gets out there. He standing next to Judon Wilson's staring at him like a whole second, just looking. He's like, like you can tell he's like, am I supposed to throw this to it? Like the linebackers right there. Do I throw it and get him, let him get lit up. Do I try to lead him out the field? Like a whole second. And then without even looking down the field, he just, boom, he's just like, all right, screw it. Hums it as, as far as he can. And No receiver, right to Devin McCourty. I don't know what he thought he was doing, but it was literally plays not there, plays not there, plays not there. Oh, well, boom. Now I'll look. Oh, hey, there's Devin McCourty. Like brutal, absolutely brutal.
0: What's also absolutely brutal right now is Atlas is just going crazy at something. I don't know what. Anyways, on that interception, they actually did spin the dial on him for the first time. Really on any of the four interceptions that he threw the first two or the first, I guess three. I the second one I don't know if it's Corey Davis's fault or not, but regardless, the first three was stagnant coverage, right? He had two that were one robber, one was cover three, and it was not anything fancy by the Patriots. This was not seeing go Sam Darnold a few years ago where they're running Amoeba fronts and zero blitzes and they're throwing the kitchen sink at him. This was just straight mono mono cover one, man against man, right? And they he just made some terrible decisions. The last interception, they did rotate it. It was post-high pre-snap. They rotated it into cover two, and he was throwing a fade or kind of like a seam fade. And against cover one, that's a pretty good throw, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a right. good option. Against cover two, it's obviously right to the deep safety. So I think he never found the safeties after the snap, right? And I think maybe what you were talking about definitely pointed to that. Was his eyes were not in the right place, right? He's looking in the flat to the receiver in motion, and he doesn't he doesn't think about it the right yeah. way, right? You, you can know? make
1: that throw at BYU. Like I saw him,
0: yeah. I knew he was
1: trying to know. Look, he was trying to beat Mahomes, and he yeah. made that throw at BYU. You're not playing Coastal anymore, dude. Yeah. You're not. You're playing the New England Patriots. Look before you throw.
0: Yeah. So that was a big issue. Again,
1: Mormon Manzel.
0: Yeah, it was a, it had, I had a tough time evaluating really what the Patriots' pass defense did in this game because Zach Wilson was really that bad. And it wasn't just the interception. It was also missed reads on other throws that he could have had that he just tucked it and ran or didn't see it. It, it was just all bad.
1: If we want to give them credit in the pass defense, I actually think the Jets' offensive line isn't putrid. No. And four sacks, three more quarterback hits. I mean, they
0: got after him. A lot of and, it was late in the fourth quarter, but yeah, I the
1: pass rush still feels real to me. Like I, yeah. I, 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 I still think, and and we hyped that pass rush up a lot, right? You know, over the summer, I still feel like we were justifying that. I still feel like this pass How, rush has showed up and delivered.
0: Probably the one unit that's been as advertised, I would say. Yeah. Right, it was that the whole, the whole thing was at as advertised, just in terms of that pass rush, Judon. Uche and Avis passing situations has been fantastic. All of these players have lived up to the high. Barmore Barmore has been good. Would you say? I would say
1: Barmore has been their best rookie through two games. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's I mean, look, it's tough to say Barmore is not playing the type of snaps it, that Mac is playing. It's right. not One good. of them a quarterback.
1: So I guess right. that's tough. But I right. guess like pound for pound to me, Barmore has been the best
0: rookie. He's been very good. And yep. he's been doing what they've been asking him to do at a pretty high level the run defense stuff early downs not the best and we can talk about some of the run defense issues and some of the plays that they actually made in run defense even though the jets got them a handful of times an average 4.9 yards per rush when i went back and watched it the play the patriots made their fair share of plays against the run as well right this was not one of those games where one team just flat out dominated the other in the trenches this was definitely a punch-for-punch type of situation, I I would say, between those two teams in in terms of the running game. The players that I uh, wanted to talk about as well, well, the main one, I asked Rod Mayo about him today. Juwan Bentley has been a a revelation this season, moving much faster. Mayo called him more athletic this year, thought that he really focused in the offseason and getting in shape and, and working out and being in more physically dominant shape. He seems to be reading things out quicker. I posted a couple of plays on Twitter where I'm pretty sure he called out the play before the ball is snapped, or at least the direction of the run before the ball was snapped. So a, a much more, just a guy that's flowing to the ball a lot faster this year than he did last year and playing with a lot more confidence and understanding what's going on in front of him, right? Understanding the blocking schemes, where he fits in the run fits and all, the, all those things considered, uh, Juan Bentley has been extremely good so far.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, you know, we've compared him pretty much since he was drafted to a Landon Roberts. Very similar
0: and, career trajectory
1: yeah. at this point. And yeah, you talk, I mean, not just the play style, but you talk about that trajectory, even heading into his fourth season, there was some questions about, you know, Landon Roberts, truly how versatile he was. And if he could be anything more than downhill battering Ram and Bentley was kind of in the same spot, especially after last year when he was asked to do a ton without Dante Hightower, but, you know, for Landon Roberts, that fourth season, right—that last year he was here, it just all clicked. I'd like to yeah. think it was because he started playing fullback, and it just made him a more complete player. But um, he just—he just clicked in that fourth year, and now here's Juwan Bentley in his fourth year, and it seems like things are starting to click.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think that that's good news for the Patriots for many reasons. Obviously, you just want every player to be good, but i ha- I still haven't seen I still haven't seen nineteen Dante Hightower yet. Right. I, I think he's still rusty or whatever the case may be. I'm not hundred percent sure injury related, whatever. I'm not ready to say he's broken down. I'm not ready to say he's washed or anything dramatic like that, but we haven't seen the dominant Dante Hightower that we used to see are used to seeing. Juwan Bentley has made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage in, in that with Hightower kind of figuring things out still, right? And just stepped up and made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage to help this defense out and this run defense out. Another player that really popped on tape to me with the Patriots defense, it just does every week very quietly, is Adrian Phillips just making some great plays. His interception, just great awareness. I mean, look, it's it goes through the receiver's hands. It's not the greatest of throws by Zach Wilson, but that's not even his guy. Right, and he's still able to get his eyes on the football and make a diving catch along the sideline to pick it off. Just great awareness. He also had that great play coming over the top of all the trash in the run game, and he absolutely popped Uh, Michael Carter. I think it was uh, just coming sideline to sideline. Just a really effective player, and you can tell that he's one of those guys that feels like he's been a Patriot for twenty years. If you actually Belichick might have been asked this, but.
1: Uh, I feel like if you ask Belichick, what's the number one trait you want in a, in a safety, he'd say instincts. And that's just what Adrian Phil. I mean, he's just such an instinctual player. Like he's always two, three steps ahead of the play. It's really cool to see it. Like if you just kind of watch and it's tough, really tough to do this on TV because the, the position he plays, but if you just follow him with your eyes, like from when the huddle breaks to the end, to the whistle, you just watching how he sees the game. I've learned about football watching how adrian phillips watches the play develop in front of him highly instinctual player those are the guys those are the guys that succeed here the guys who know what's going to happen before it happens and he fits squarely in that category
0: yeah he that run that run stop that he made coming across the formation reading out the blocking scheme staying clean through the trash and just laying out michael carter was awesome like that that's That's exactly what you're looking for, especially we talk so much about speed at the second level of the defense. Well, if they drop Adrian Phillips into the box and sort of a money backer role, then that make, gives them a lot more speed at oh, that yeah. level. And that that instinct,
1: you know, a player look a lot, can play a lot faster than they are because of those instincts. And another thing Phillips did, and you just kind of hinted at it, but I'll just say it straight out, great open field tackler, which is also very important at that position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, a a plus game for Juwan Bentley, plus game for Adrian Phillips. Thought it was a little bit of a down game for Devon Godshok. He got reached a ton in outside zone by the center. It happens. I'm not going to overreact to it one way or another, but a lot of their run defense issues felt like after watching it back, a lot of that was on the interior of the defensive line getting reached on a couple of different types of blocking schemes. It wasn't as much as the of the edges as I thought it was watching it live. It was a lot to do with Devon Godshaw, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy getting turned out of gaps and and making it difficult. And the one thing that you see over and over again with the with outside zone teams and the Patriots for some reason they had the best game plan ever for this in the Super Bowl a few years ago against the Rams and haven't gone back to that game plan since against these at wide zone teams penetration right you you can't right. they want you to run side to side with them right they want you to flow side to side cuz that's how they can pin you down and create those cutback lanes the patriots have to get up the field and, and too many times They allowed themselves to get reached. They allowed themselves to flow with the ball left to right instead of just getting vertical up the field. So I wonder why they just don't, play it like that anymore right like why why did they go away from that Super Bowl game plan when they go up against the Niners and the Rams last year they go up against this Jets team twice a year now that's going to be running this Kyle Shanahan wide zone system they have to get more vertical in the run game otherwise they're going to get pinned and they're going to get reached and they're going to get run out of those gaps which is exactly what happened on Sunday on a few uh, notable occasions but in a lot of occasions too many
1: yeah yeah I I I agree with you. I don't know they're they I thought they'd be more aggressive overall than they've been. yeah, and it's just it, it kind of like on the offensive side of the ball they're just kind of taking things to toe in the water right now.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's wrap this up before Atlas freaks the heck out. Apparently he's he's still barking. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but he's uh he's going crazy. Um, we need to shout out our friends at Legends Brand. Hey, Pats fans. When I say the name Willie McGinnis, what word comes to mind, Alex? Give me uh, a word,
1: him. Not a word, but him knocking out Kurt Warner in a Super Bowl.
0: Knocking out Kurt Warner. I love the goal line stop against the Colts. Still, that's I see. I,
1: I need to save them because I have to have one each show, and we're gonna do a lot of shows. So
0: that's just classic. What about defense champion? How about legend? We'll add that yes. to the list. Entrepreneur. Because number 55 is one of several athletes or investors and owners in the athletic apparel brand, Legends. That's right, Willie, along with guys like Steve Nash, Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, former Celtic Marcus Morris Sr., and even entertainment icon, Quavo, are just a few of those names building Legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market. Visit Legends.com today to shop the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts, tees, hoodies, and more, and save 20% when you use our code PATS20. That's legends.com and promo code PATS20. That, uh, October, that offer ends October 10th. Alex, any really early thoughts on the New Orleans Saints? This is going to be a tough matchup.
1: Yeah, I you know, we kind of saw revenge mode Damian Harris this week for the Patriots. Now they've got to stop revenge mode Alvin Kamara, who was just stifled last week by that Panthers defense. And... I, I just trust the Patriots keep fought like their opponents keep following the Panthers. Um, I think it's a big game for, you know, some of these acquisitions, Devon Godshaw, Henry Anderson, uh, even Hightower coming back. I'll, I'll throw Juwan Bentley in there. Lawrence guy. They got to stop the run. I, Jameis has not overly impressed me. I knew he threw five touchdowns in that opener, but 14 to 20, 158 yards. Those touchdowns to me were more circumstanced than anything else. He had a rough game last week. I think that's classic Jameis. Like sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't, but Uh, The Saints will go as Alvin Kamara goes. So, you know, they got to get the run defense fixed because if they don't fix it, they're going to be in trouble next week.
0: I definitely feel like this is a game that Jameis Winston's looked pretty good. I haven't watched the tape from this last game. He looked really good in week one, right? And I think there's a lot of people that want to be on the Jameis bandwagon. This definitely feels like a game that Bill Belichick could make Jameis Winston look like the old Jameis Winston, right? A guy that threw, what was he? The 30-30 club in his last year with Tampa yeah. and Bruce Arians, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. eight. Well, some of that's
1: just Bruce Arians, a bad coach, but that's another conversation for another the, time.
0: The definition of boomer bust, right? He's either throwing a 30 yard touchdown or a 30 yard interception return for a touchdown. There is no in between with Jameis Winston. He's one of the most volatile quarterbacks in the entire NFL right now. And that feels like a matchup that Bill Belichick should win, right? That feels like a matchup that Bill Belichick typically feasts on. They got a bunch of skill players there. You mentioned Kamara. Michael Thomas will not play in this game, which is big for the Patriots. He's on the PUP list like Stephon Gilmore. So he's not going to be active for this game. But if I have to look at anything for this game that is going to be a potential Achilles heel for the Patriots. It's the Patriots offensive line against a very, very good New Orleans pass rush, and they love to dial it up. They love to mix it up. They have a great third down pressure package, but Cam Jordan and those guys up front for New Orleans are the real deal on that defense, and they made Aaron Rodgers look terrible in week one. So that O line is going to have to step up and have a much better performance in pass pro from what we've seen.
1: Yeah, do we want to take a couple questions? I feel bad we don't do questions as much as we used to. Do we want to take a couple questions here before we you wrap can, it up?
0: We can do questions, or we can do questions more on Thursday. I know you want to get the question. Okay. I don't know if people are gonna respond fast enough on the fly. Real quick, if you guys have questions, but I, have, I I feel
1: bad because I I think that that's one of the best parts of the show, and we never do it.
0: it I know uh, there's just so much to talk about now with like right. Mac and everything that it, if you ask a question
1: up. right now, we'll get to it. We're just waiting for one here.
0: So. We are waiting for one. This is Alex. This is making us look bad. We don't have any questions.
1: It's Trent, Trent. We can use that. You know, is Trent Brown playing? Like how important is he come? Is it? He comes back right away. Cause I'm wondering about that now.
0: So Trent Brown might be the biggest X factor on this entire offense. It turns out like, is that maybe besides Mac Jones, right? I mean, obviously if you lose the quarterback, then the whole, the whole house of cards comes crashing down, but this entire offensive line has played worse without Trent Brown, right? Across the board, all five guys. So I, I think that that's really – he's a lot bigger deal and a lot bigger X factor than I was anticipating for this line. I thought they had decent depth. I thought they had good players in the other four spots that if Brown went down or Win went down, they'd be able to make do without it. But so far, that has not necessarily been the case.
1: Do you want to do uh real quick rookie of the year projections there?
0: Oh, okay. It's Are we talking? We're, we're, I'm assuming that we're talking about the entire NFL, not just. I I would think so. Yes. Okay. Because uh, uh, I
1: mean, with the Patriots, it's it's Mac and Barmore, offense and defense. Nobody else is jumping into the conversation.
0: Okay. So what, let, let's talk about it. Who's your offensive rookie of the year as of right now? Through two, so we're doing through two weeks, not a projection. Oh, I guess projection. Yeah, let's do season-long projection.
1: So You know what? I'll go the same way. The rookie of the year. Is generally offensively is generally the best quarterback. Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback. Yeah, this been keeps so up. Mac Jones can be rookie of the year.
0: If this keeps up, I yeah, I don't disagree. I'm trying with to you. think. Is
1: there a receiver that's like been nasty that I'm not thinking of?
0: Not a. I mean, Waddle's been really good from Miami. I don't know how he played last week without Tua. Not not off the top of my head. I mean, a lot of those guys have looked the part but haven't necessarily been awesome. Jamar Chase hey, might I, have a chance at it. I have they the work. stats
1: here. They're, they're, none of them are at that point where they're going to pass Mac, at least not now. Especially you were spot on about Anthony Schwartz. You called him as a sleeper. and He's been yeah.
0: excellent. Oh, the Patriots should have drafted him. Uh, Mac, if, especially if he starts hitting those balls uh, down the field that have been available to him, then for sure. The defensive play uh, rookie of the year though, uh away on Baltimore, that guy is a beast. And I think that he might actually win defensive rookie of the year, at least through two weeks. He looks like the defense rookie of the year. He's the one that knocked the ball out. Uh, of uh, Clyde Edwards Ehlers' hands at the end of that game on Sunday night to win the game for Baltimore. He is a monster. He had zero production at Penn State, no career sacks in college, but he's around the ball a ton already for the Ravens.
1: So I'll give you two. I like uh, Rousseau in Buffalo. Yeah. He's already got a couple sacks. And the other guy, they didn't really play him week one, and they played him last week because they had to because of injury. He's been excellent. Patrick Sertan. I think yeah. there's a chance because he also plays in the division where teams are throwing the ball a lot. So he's going to have a chance to pick up some numbers. Patrick Sertan. Uh, I like. Asante
0: Samuel Jr. has been really good too.
1: Yeah, awesome. that's true. Um, right. Do you want to do, there's a question about the run defense or are we wrapping it up?
0: I, I want to do this question about the red zone. Cause I, we okay. didn't really touch on, this. Right. on it briefly, but I feel like we need to talk about this a little bit more. So when I look at the red zone for the Patriots, I guess we just have to live with the fact that they're going to be really run heavy down there. It is what it is, right? Yeah, it it is what it is, and I don't think it's necessarily just a Mac Jones thing. I think this is a a philosophical thing overall with the Patriots. I would love to see them in that fifteen to twenty five yard range. Mac might not be able to throw the forty yard deep post on a dime, but I feel like he lives on those uh, deeper throws in that 15 to 25 yard range right like the the ball to Jacoby this week the ball to James White last week right those are throws that he can really make so I would love to try to see them high red zone right outside the red zone start taking some shots to the end zone then instead of getting it into the condensed areas and having to throw the football from there so I hope that they open it up in that way the other way that I hope that they open it up Johnu Smith last year, Alex, had eight red zone touchdowns for the Tennessee Titans. Hunter Henry over four years those were rushing, right? One of them was an end around, okay, yeah. Jet yeah. sweep, jet sweep. Uh, what Uh Hunter Henry 21 TDs and four healthy seasons with uh, the Chargers in his career there. So those two guys had a ton of red zone production in their last two stops. It is inexcusable that they are not throwing the football to them all the time in the red area. Whether it's up the seam, it's detaching them from the formation and getting them a one-on-one matchup on the outside. Throw a fade, throw a jump ball, then work the slant, right? You, you throw those fades, then you roll, work like a, a glance or a skinny post, which Mac is really used to throwing as well from Alabama. The one other package that I'm waiting for McDaniels to unveil. We saw it in the preseason. We haven't seen it yet in the regular season. And a lot of fans, I think get caught up in the, Oh, they're saving things, right? They're saving stuff from later in the year. Yada, yada, yada. I usually balk at most of that 90% of it, the 10%, the RPO package. It's coming. We know it's coming. It hasn't, I don't think they've ran a single RPO yet in the, the two games. I'd have to go and and see what says, but I haven't seen any RPOs that RPO package is coming. And when it does, I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities in the red zone for the two tight ends.
1: The one other thing I'd add to this is if they do want to run in the red zone, like we saw how effective they were that the first play of the year, remember they go, you know, Shaq Mason, Trent Brown, and then they had the two tight ends right off tackle and they just ran behind that. And Boy, would that be an effective package in the red zone? Because you have to worry about both of those tight ends in coverage. It, you know, I, I just I think that would be a really effective red zone look, but Trent Brown's a big part of that. When Trent Brown comes back, I wonder how much we see of that in the red zone and if that helps them move the ball in the red zone because that, I thought, was a really interesting look. Trent Brown kind of enhances it. It's not quite the same without him, and they
0: really haven't gone back to it much without him.
1: So I want to see that formation come back, especially, again, down there, you know, inside the 20.
0: Yeah, they could definitely use Trent Brown and Shaq Mason, who in uh, training camp were just blowing guys off the ball on that right side together on double teams and combos and stuff like that. And they were just blowing those guys up. So, yeah, when they get down inside the 10, inside the 5, then they're – they should, they should turn the ball over to Damien Harris and run it right behind that right side when Trent Brown is healthy. But I'm waiting for the RPO package. We know it exists because they ran it a bunch in the preseason. I just don't think that they are getting into all of it yet. I think right. that's the one thing that if I had to point to from the play calling that they might be holding back, it's probably that. And at this point though, they need to get it out, right? They they need right. to start calling these RPOs because they can't play it close to their vest forever and start the season one and three and one and four and then decide, oh, wait, Mac, who is awesome at RPOs at Alabama, can all of a sudden run a bunch of them, right? You know, it, right. You, you need to get those out there.
1: So the, the one other thing when we're talking about the red zone, and this is going to stir people up, but I'll say it anyway, you know, they're, they don't have their red zone receiver. And as much as you want the tight ends to be a part of that, we talked all summer. Where does Nikhil fit on this roster? Where does Nikhil Harry fit on this roster? And it was the red zone. That was where, you know, he's not really going to play much in between the twenties. He doesn't, he's not a guy that they, they necessarily have a role for there, but he was somebody who we figured, all right, at the very least he's going to help them in the red zone. So I, you know, I, I'm hesitant to say their red zone issues are because Nikhil Harry's out because if they were full, if their whole red zone plan was Nikhil Harry, that's wildly concerning. Yeah. But it would help to have him down there. That's no, just the reality. It would no, help to have I
0: want Mac in the gun, put the running back next to him, run that RPO get Johnny and Hunter Henry up the seam or run that backside uh, glance route that they loved at Alabama, right? They would run the backside skinny post, hit Devontae Smith on the run and he would just be shot out of a cannon. The Patriots don't have yeah. that player, unfortunately, but they have tight ends and they have Nelson Aguilar. Potentially you could run that route, but really the tight ends can win one-on-one outside there, right? And we also talked about the two high, one high thing, and the extra guy in the box. You start RPOing teams, that holds those linebackers, right? That makes those those uh, holes bigger for the running game, even without a mobile quarterback. So, again, one element that they're holding back, I think, from this offense, 110% that RPO package. And I I wish that McDaniels uh, would open it up as soon as this week. They might save it for Tampa, though. They might save it for Tampa.
1: I still don't think they're saving it for – I still think that that's a fallacy, but okay.
0: I, maybe not saving it in that sense. But if anything,
1: they're saving it for October. September's the preseason. They're saving it for October. I don't
0: necessarily mean that they're saving it for Tampa. Evan, he, he's got it. Bill, Bill's bill got to beat Brady. He hates him.
1: Haven't you yeah. seen it? The book, blah, blah, blah. He's. They're going go. to thought, go. Mister
0: Bill wants to go one and 16
1: so he can make Brady lose to w- bad team. Y'all need to shut up.
0: I don't think they're saving it for Tampa or new Orleans necessarily because they want to beat Tom Brady. Right. I don't think it's about that. I think it's maybe that they felt like they could beat the dolphins and the jets without it. And they want to get Mac reps live in-game reps working just the system, right. Working the old Patriots playbook and not necessarily the new Mac adaptations, iterations, whatever you want to call it. So I don't think it's necessarily that they are saving it for Tampa. In the respect that, oh, they got to beat Brady, right? They can't lose to Tom Brady. No, I think it's yeah, more that that
1: game's bigger than the Super Bowl. If Bill wins, he's going to retire.
0: It's more that Tom Brady's Buccaneers defense is damn good, right? Like yeah. that's a that's a great D. And in order to beat I that, hear team, Bill's going to convince Tom to
1: play defense, so they can really go ahead. He can really go head to head with Mac Jones.
0: In order to beat Tampa, they're going to have to empty the kitchen sink. Right there, or throw the kitchen sink, empty the bag, whatever you want to cliche you want to use. They're going to have to really throw everything at both sides of the football. So maybe, maybe they can get into that RPO package then. All right. Alex and I are going to be back on the show on Thursday to break down the New Orleans Saints and discuss this matchup on Sunday against an opponent. The, the last time the Patriots played the Saints was what? 20? Eighteen, I want to say, but the last time 17? the Saints came to Fox, so I don't know when that was. But no, the no, last... last time they played the Saints was twenty seventeen, I think. But it but. Back.
1: Yes, the last I mean, time uh, the yeah. Saints came okay. to Foxborough, unicorns, yeah. show ponies, yeah. where's the beef? Let's the beef go.
0: is in the beef is in Tampa Bay. Oh. The beef That's is true. in Tampa Bay. All right, so He's not his quarterback. <laughs> anymore. Alex's face just went from huge smile to. You made me sad, <laughs> really fast. So we'll be back on the show on Thursday. We're going to have to lock down a time for that Patriots uh, media schedule is making things a little bit tougher for when exactly we're we're going to do the Thursday live shows, but sometime Thursday evening, Alex and I will be live to break down Patriots saints really looking forward to this one. I think it's a tough matchup for the Patriots. It's going to be fun to see if they are up for it. And we will then be back next week. Same kind of schedule, right? Monday, Tuesday recap show uh, Thursday, Friday Friday, preview show we'll continue on this schedule and Alex. i promise we'll do a mailbag show for you next week okay so we can right. uh really I get I just support. it's for the people this is all for the people it's so for I the people we sure really get their voices heard me as well and i we really appreciate everybody that's listening to us uh, and commenting even the guys that are trolling us in the comments we still like you too so keep it here patriots beat podcast we'll see you thursday for alex barth i'm evan lazar thanks for watching everybody